and welcome to the Accessible South Africa podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. And now, on with the show. everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. I'm Lois Strachan and today we're going to be chatting to Bryony Chisholm. You know, every interview is special in its own way. And what I really enjoyed about chatting to Bryony was her sense of adventure, her approach to life and the very practical approach that she takes when considering traveling to a new destination. And rather than me telling you about Bryony's story, let's dive straight into the interview and let Bryony speak for herself. Morning Bryony, welcome to Accessible South Africa. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Great to have you with us. Let's start off and can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am 40-something. I had my accident when I was 21 on my way home from graduating as a pharmacist from Rhodes University in Grahamstown. Um, So it was, if there's ever a perfect time to have that kind of accident, the perfect time because my life was going to change anyway. Um, I didn't expect it quite to change as it did, but I was ready for a change, um, which I think made the, the transition a little bit more easy. Um, so I had my accident. I broke my neck, um, so I'm quadriplegic, which means I've got function of my arms and my wrists, but not of my fingers. Um, I then went and completed my internship as a pharmacist on the mine that I grew up on in Gauteng and lived with my folks for a year and then moved to Cape Town and started working at the Division of Clinical Pharmacology at the University of Cape Town as an information pharmacist um, at the Medicines Information Center. Uh, um, We opened the National HIV and TB hotline 10 years ago. And I've been working on that since. Um, I'm currently only working part-time for them because I also do writing. I've published my first novel this year. And I'm also doing some post-grad study on HIV and TB. Um, And my work at the hotline actually put the itch back in my feet for travel. um, Because in 2016, I was asked to do trips all around rural South Africa, all seven provinces excluding Gauteng and Western Province, and I was given basically free range to visit as many clinics as I could within a six-month time period of being away for a week to ten days a month for six months, um, and I plotted as back route as we could do in a normal car, um, and we traveled about 10,000 kilometers in that time, um, mostly on back roads and dust roads, visiting over 200 clinics. Um, And that completely inspired me to explore 
South Africa again. We, we've always been travelers as a family, um, but South Africa is so beautiful and there's so many parts of it that are worth visiting. Um, so from there, I decided to slow down my work at the, the hotline itself. I do work for them from home. Um, and I'm doing more traveling, and I blog about my traveling as well. Um, not, not completely accessibility focused. Um, my blogs are generally just a general travel story with something tacked onto the end that includes the accessibility of wherever I visited. So you actually traveled quite extensively, both in terms of work and in your leisure. Yes. What? Yeah. Yeah. What challenges have you encountered while you've been traveling, and how have you overcome those challenges? The, it, was, it was a very interesting um, expedition, if I can call it that, during the, during the, visiting the Royal Clinics. Um, so basically, we stayed at 60 different places around South Africa, and, and I'm talking very small town South Africa. So we stayed from from hotels to guest houses to self-catering cottages to a room in somebody's house. Um, and I researched as well as I could. Um, small town South Africa is still a little behind on being kind of on the internet. Um, so I was, I was relying on just the few places that were listed on the internet. And then I was doing a lot of communication with people saying I'm in a wheelchair, is it accessible? Um, to a point accessible. I, I travel with a friend who is very strong and very able, so a little step here or there is not a barrier to us, which it would be for some people. Um, and I have both a urostomy and a colostomy, um, which actually makes things a lot easier because bathrooms are then not such an issue. I can bath in a basin and don't necessarily need a roll-in shower when I'm only staying in a place for one night. Um, for, for those 60 places, they pretty much all said, yes, we're accessible. Um, and, and probably maybe five at a push were truly accessible. Um, but as I say, you know, I was very open about it and I, and I was very flexible about it and I said to people that one step isn't a hassle. Um, but what it did open my eyes to is that people just don't know what accessible means. Um, and it's not from lack of compassion or lack of trying, it's just that they don't actually know. So it sounds like the part of what you're saying is that there's a lack of awareness that can impact on the ability for someone with a disability to travel. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, Every single one of them was perfectly happy to chat to me and to discuss what they had and what they didn't have and to send me photos. So people are happy to help. They just don't know how to do that. So it is, it's a lack of awareness and, and I guess a reticence because people don't want to hurt your feelings or, or be you know, not compassionate. So they'd rather just say no rather than finding themselves in a situation where they are uncomfortable because they're not sure how to deal with the situation. Okay. What are some of your favorite stories from your travels? 
I think probably my favorite story now that it's over, at the time it was not my favorite story, um, was our trip to Paris last year. Um, I went to Sicily to see Eddie Vedder because I'm a huge fan. And we tacked on two days in Paris on our way back to London from Sicily. Um, and I researched very carefully, found a metro station that we could reach from the airport easily that was accessible and then planned my Airbnb according to that station, only to arrive at the station and have to spend two and a half hours in the Paris metro because the lift was being renovated. And we could not find any kind of official person. None of us spoke French. Um, everybody was busy, you know, just being Parisian and being busy. Um, and we we thought we might actually have to live in the metro for the rest of our <laughs> lives. But luckily, well, I say luckily, the, the it was just after one of the kind of terrorist threats. So there were a lot of soldiers around. Um, and we eventually found four very beautiful French young soldiers who hoisted me up between them and carried me up three flights of stairs to get us out and onto the streets of Paris, which, as I say, at the time it was really not funny, but now, now it is. Now I think it's one of my favorite travel stories. And for me, that's what traveling is about. It's about the stories that you make completely inadvertently that was not a planned thing in fact it was very much unplanned but it it, it makes a great travel story and it was it was fabulous once it was done <laughs> you are so right that it's the experiences that we encounter when we travel yeah. that really make yeah. the, the richness of the diversity yeah. of our travels so, Bradley, what advice would you have for service providers who want to either check if their venues or activities are accessible or who want to make them a little more accessible? I think the main thing is to get people, I, I mean, and this is why I love Accessible South Africa, because that's, that's what, what is, is the idea behind it, is to get people in who know. So... You know, asking an architect who knows what the building specifications are versus asking somebody who is actually in a wheelchair to come to the place and to look and to give, um, you know, just just give practical advice on, on what can be there and what can't be there, um, I think is the ideal. Um, obviously, it's not possible always to do that. I think the second best option is to just be completely open and honest of what is there. So put yourself in the shoes of somebody in a wheelchair or somebody who can't hear, somebody who can't see, um, and look around your venue. Look for steps, look for obstacles. You know, if you, if you actually put your mind to it, even if you're not in a wheelchair, you can actually see the barriers. Um, it's just a matter of, of thinking a little bit and, and working it out or getting somebody in who knows what it's like. Um, and also to just be open and honest to people and say, look, we, if, if you're not sure, just say, look, we're not sure. You're very welcome to come and we will help you with anything that, that does become a barrier. Um, and lots of photos. The, uh, the, the most invaluable thing that I've found with any place that I've visited is being able to see 
what I'm going to to get on the other side because I can then decide if that's something that I can deal with or can't deal with and and that includes pathways to places entrances width between the bed and the wall you know it's simple simple kind of practical things um to be able to see that is is wonderful that's it's one of the reasons I love google google earth as well because you can actually go in and see is the airbnb that i'm wanting to go to or the hotel that i'm wanting to go to is it on top of a hill which will make it impossible for me to actually get out and sightsee um there's a lot to be said for knowing what you're going to i think that leads quite nicely into a follow-up question which is about the technology that you use when you travel and when you're planning your travels the types of apps and um, other technology that you find assists you to make that type of decision so what can you tell us about that the internet is a fantastic thing and i don't know how anyone actually managed to do anything before the internet um i am i'm a bit of a, a philistine when it comes to apps and things like that um so the majority of my research is done online um as i said google earth is fantastic um and then you know i find most of the most of the kind of accommodation sites and places like that uh, the airbnb site as well are they're trying very hard to to make things easier um from an accessibility point of view but they're not managing particularly well um airbnb have recently redone their their format but you know if you click two of the things that you may need from an accessible point of view you basically exclude every place so you then can't find places um and a lot of the booking.coms and those kind of places you just tick an accessibility box and it doesn't really mean anything um so my research is is initially done on sites like that and then it is done through email and through whatsapp where i actually speak to the people at the place and say this is what i need what do you have there please send me pictures for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with um services like airbnb can you just give yes. us a little more detail of exactly what you mean by saying if you pick two criteria it might exclude all the yeah. so what are we what are we actually talking there so so airbnb has has filters um the same as you can filter if you want two bedrooms and one bathroom or um or a, a, a completely separate or living with a host they've got a set of of filters to do with accessibility as well and they include uh ramp free access um lifts in the building um universally accessible bathroom so there's a whole long list of them but if you if you filter with just one or two it 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 filters out places that have not ticked all those boxes um and i think again that's where it falls on the provider so the airbnb host they need to they they now presumably as soon as they click any kind of accessible thing they have to either click yes or no to all of the um the requirements for it to be universally accessible um and while universally accessible is fabulous and is ideal places that have already been built are more often than not 
not completely universally accessible. Um, and that is not a problem for some people and it is for others depending on their levels of, of disability. Um, but but a, a kind of automatic filter like that, so, so if I click ramp-free access and the host has not said that they've got ramp-free access, even if they do, it will exclude that place. Um, and again, I think people are reticent, hosts are reticent to say, yes, we are accessible because they're not sure what exactly that means. Um, and again, the, the, there's the, the kind of space for something like Accessible South Africa where you're getting people to, to, to meet up with the host and say, okay, this is what you need and this is what you don't need and this is what you need to say. You don't necessarily have to be completely universally accessible, but you need to take pictures of this, this, and this, and you need to say this is what we have and this is what we don't have but we are willing to help you or we're not willing to help you, which, you know, whichever way it's completely up to the host. But I think it is really useful to have people who know what they're looking for or what is needed to help that kind of huge gap between hosts having any knowledge at all and hosts ha having none um, and being too nervous to, to actually list. Ryan, you've already shared one really interesting experience with us um, in the, the metro in, in Paris. What other humorous stories do you have from your travel experiences and perhaps here in Cape Town or somewhere in South Africa? Yeah, I was just about to say I also had a fantastic experience at Musenberg Station um, where, again, I, I absolutely adore going on the train and the, the Cape Town metro rail is let's say not hugely accessible. Um, some of their stations are accessible, some of them aren't. It's very difficult to get out of Metro Rail which ones are and which ones aren't. So we decided on a beautiful, in fact it was probably a year ago because it was a beautiful spring day, um, to catch the train from Kenilworth Station to Musenberg and go and check out the beach. Which we did and I got off the train in Musenberg on the seaside of the station where there is actually a ramp that goes down to a gate which was firmly locked and of course nobody knew where the key was or who had the key but it being South Africa of course there were loads of people around who were perfectly willing to help to get me down the I think there are about five or six stairs that go down onto the beach side of the station however at the bottom of those stairs was parked an enormous Merc directly across the entrance, meaning that once I'd got down the stairs, I couldn't actually get out of the station, which again, in true South African style, was not a problem for the four complete strangers who had helped me to lift me up in my wheelchair over the bonnet of the Mercedes and set me free onto the beach. I, <laughs> I have... I have experience of, of traveling on Metro Rail. Um, I used to catch trains to work from Lakeside through Musenberg yeah. and all the way down into Simonstown. So I, it's a very well-known train station to me. So I can see that happening. <laughs> you must be a very courageous woman to well, you know, keep up with travel despite that type of experience. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's courageous or 
was slightly silly, even to be honest. <laughs> but I, you know, the the thing is that the the bits in between the difficult bits are, are the difficult bits are such a tiny part of it. Um, and I think anyone who's traveling, whether they're in a wheelchair or not, um, there are difficult bits to traveling. There are some bits of traveling that are not fun, but but the rest, the adventure, and the meeting people, and the seeing places, and the discovering stories, and you know, make up for it hugely. So it kind of becomes a, a little side issue where you have the the problems, and they eventually do just become part of fabulous travel stories. Um, and I, I mean, I think that is one of the things that people who love travel are possibly a little bit more adventurous and a little bit need to have a little bit more patience and need to know that everything you can plan until you blew in the face um and sometimes things just don't go according to plan and you've just got to you've just got to roll with it um without that attitude nobody's ever going to travel you know regardless of their of whether they're able-bodied or not so what message would you like to give to people with disabilities who are perhaps keen to travel but are a little nervous of doing so? What message could you give them to encourage them to do so? The main thing is to just do your research. Uh, the better planned your trip, the less likely it is that there are going to be hassles like that. Uh, you know, there, there are still always going to be little blips. But if you really plan well, and by that, uh, certainly from from my point of view in a wheelchair, that really does mean planning right up to the tiny details of where the, the guest house that I'm staying in, is it on top of a hill? Um, you know, like minute details like that. Um, is it on top of a hill? Is it close to some transport that I can actually use? Where does that transport go? Does it go to the places that I want to see and I want to go to? Um, so it's a lot of planning, but I think that the planning will make the trip a lot easier. Um, also, I think reading, reading, reading people's personal experiences. Um, now I'm going to kind of self-promote terribly, but you know things like my blogs, where you can actually read. I went to McGregor and I did this, and McGregor Town, the main road is relatively flat, and there are restaurants that you can get into. You know, that kind of thing. I think reading people's personal stories really opens up a new world and makes makes traveling a little bit less scary. Um, and, you know, lots of people are nervous to travel. And if you are nervous to travel, there are lots of places that you can go as a group or, or, or guided. Um, and I think that's the way to go. If you, if you want to explore but you're a little bit nervous, then go on a guided tour. Have somebody show you around. Have somebody else deal with the, the minutiae of traveling and you just enjoy it. But don't, don't let nerves stop you from exploring. Well, at that point, maybe I should ask you, where can people find out more about you and your blog? Oh, um, well, I am on, I'm on Facebook as Bryony Chisholm, my name. Um, and I have a blog which is called Naval Gazing 101, um, which is a WordPress blog. I think if you just... Um, if you just Google search navel gazing 101, it'll come up. Um, and I am on 
Instagram as Bryony, etc. B-R-I-O-N-Y-E-T-C. And I do also have a Twitter account, but I'm terrible at Twitter, so there's no point in trying to find me there. I think nowadays there are so many different platforms that are available that sometimes we have to choose and focus on the ones yes. that work for us. Just, yeah, just from a time point of view. And yeah, so Twitter, I'm, I'm not good at. <laughs> That's okay. We can forgive you for that. <laughs> we can't all be good at great at everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that my uh, many of my blogs and certainly the accessibility um, focused ones are also will be on the Accessibility South Africa website as well. So and and they link I think to my to my blog, so I can be found there too. And in fact, you know, for somebody who's looking for purely accessible stuff, the Accessibility South Africa site is the way to go because that has the personal experiences and it has the lists of 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 um, people who offer accommodation and activities, etc. Great. So you can also be found on AccessibleSouthAfrica.co.za. Yeah, my blogs are, are, are copied from mine to there. Great. Well, that's good to know as well because we do point people in, in, into the, the website um, through the podcast here as well. Okay. As a final question, any future travel plans? What are the sorts of places that you would love to go to but haven't yet had a chance to visit? Oh, how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I think that my next my next kind of overseas trip will we're we're starting to contemplate a little road well a long road trip across America, um, not now preferably when Trump is gone. Um, two friends of mine are turning fifty, um, so we're planning possibly for the three of us to spend six months to a year traveling across America, small town America all the biggest donut and the biggest whatever <laughs> other things that they have um, from a South African point of view we are heading to the Eastern Cape which is which holds my heart very dearly um, at the end of October for 10 days where I'm doing a couple of book launches of my novel um, but we will also be doing kind of road tripping that so we'll be staying at different places and experiencing different places so yeah, that's all for now. I'm I'm also studying, so I have to come back and write exams and then kind of settle down and and get some studying done. Well, both of those sound like exciting trips that are in the planning <laughs> yeah. stage. So wish you success with those. And just Thanks. very quickly, I know it's not travel related. Well, it might be travel related, but yeah. a quick punt for your book. Tell us about it. It is a very fluffy chiclet book about a 30 something year old woman living in Cape Town so um, and it's her her experiences of dating in Cape Town and delving into internet dating um, and basically her adventures at deciding that she's no, no longer going to look for a relationship she's going to do a, a stint of, of one night only kind of encounters um, and how that turns out. And what is it called? And where can people find it? It's called One Night Only. It is on Amazon, but if anybody living in South Africa, it's expensive to get it through Amazon. And I have some some hard copies at home that I can sell to them directly. And it will, it's going to be in some bookshops, but in Johannesburg, not here yet. We are still marketing it and getting it out there. But in the meantime, 
I have copies for sale. Great. Bryony, thanks so much for sharing some of your experiences of travel, of your travel blog, and your new novel that's just come out. We really appreciate the time you've spent with us. We wish you success with your travels. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us on the Accessible South Africa podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It was lovely. it for this time. You can find out more about us on the web at www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook at Accessible South Africa, or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing was done by Deirdre Gower and our theme music was by Luigi Chao, based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.